0: squad, welcome to Ranks FC, your favourite football podcast. That's not normally my line, is it? Nope, this week there's no (laughs) Jack. So, it's the Dean and Sam show. Uh, Hello, mate. It is indeed. Hello, mate. All right? All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? Lovely and quiet. Oh, Oh, it's lovely and quiet here without Jack. Um, (laughs) God knows what the end product's going to be like, but we'll have a lovely time. Um, Some people have seen the shambles that we created on Patreon the other day, but um, that's for another day. (laughs) um it's gonna be a fun one though we're starting already obviously to look ahead to next season and to assess some of the biggest rebuilds that are going on well in the summer transfer window and then into the new campaign so um are you ready for this mate are you all set has it been a lot of work it has been a surprising amount of work um i sort of set to do it
1: set myself down to do it on uh monday afternoon and was like hang on a minute I'm doing the work of five sporting directors here, <laughs> and I'm going to try and do it in the space of about four hours. Wow! Um, we're going to send this it,
0: to all those sporting directors. Do you think?
1: Yeah, I think we kind of have to. Yeah, uh, we're obligated to for sure. But I mean, we've wanted to do this episode for a while. Um, it is a bit of a shame that Jack isn't here for it, but the timing does feel right. It's early June. This is the right time to talk about the rebuilds because the window has just opened, and the clubs that we're talking about still have an awful lot to figure out. And as the players start to come back off holiday and things like that, this is when it'll start to it'll start to come to fruition. So where uh, we've got five clubs, we're going to analyse where the issues are, where we can possibly fix them. I'm going to offer up some transfer suggestions. And we're going to lean on Dean and his insight, hopefully, to guide us in the right direction as well. And we're going to skip things we love because it's just
0: not the same without Jack, is it? No. Yeah, exactly that. It's, um, there's no need for a thing we love. The thing we love this week is that Jack's getting a break. That's what we love. Yeah. Like This man refuses to take like, He complains regularly that he doesn't get a holiday. It's like, mate, just book one. That's all, all me and Sam <laughs> do is we occasionally book a holiday and we go on it. You are allowed to do this same thing. That's the beauty, especially right now yeah. of being our own bosses. Um, So, yeah, I hope you're having a lovely time, Jack, wherever you are listening to this, because I'm sure you are on a beach somewhere listening to us. Um, 100%. 100%. If there was a thing we loved, it would be the new Athletic Club Awake It, which is
1: so good.
0: So, so good. But let's move into the rebuild, shall we? Yeah, I think so. Seeing as you spent two days solidly working on this, Um, (laughs) we promise you uh, there's no things we love, but you'll still love every minute of what Sam's going to bring you. And the melon and the gibberish will still be brought to you Later in the show, and I'll tell you what I'll take care of both of those for you, mate. I'll um, lovely, mate. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. Uh, Also, just to remind everyone, there are two big episodes of Ranks over on our Patreon every Monday, every Friday. Yesterday, we went through loads of stuff on all the international games. We dug into the Salah and Mane situation a bit. Went over whether anyone could beat Man City to the title next season. You know, what what are Milan gonna do? And on Friday, we're gonna be dropping a transfer spotlight where we'll update you on some deals, but also analyze some of the moves that are going to be impacting next season. So, um, yeah, look, people on Patreon genuinely do love it over there. There's a Discord where hundreds of people make friends and they genuinely have met up with each other too. Um, quite a few of them. So it, it's a really cool place. I mean, Sam, you're in there more than most of them aren't you like you love it in the discord uh it is a good place yeah it's a good place i mean a big
1: shout out to the to the to the discord actually is due um there have been a couple of our patrons that have had um a bit of a rough year or, or 18 months you know we're not we're not all immune from that and uh, different people have had tough circumstances fall upon them at different points over the course of the last couple of years and uh, the patron discord has actually been an amazing support network for some people that have just needed to speak to another person, uh, yeah. and just get a different point of view. Um, in particular, one of our beloveds, uh, I won't, I won't name them, uh, but recently has been through a few things in his personal life. And there've been a couple of people in our discord that have really rallied around that person, uh, and really helped them. And, and they messaged me a couple of days ago, just to say, please, please give the discord a shout out on the podcast this week, because not only have I had like, basically like quasi Counseling, but I've made genuine friends. I've even met up with some of them, and they've really helped me through a, a difficult situation.
0: Yeah, that's quality. Like, I'm glad that this this podcast has somehow managed to do that. I mean, did not have i think we had that in our locker to create something while we're actually helping people. So that that's really good news. um If you haven't tried it yet, um, and you just want the football chat, whatever it is, the friends, whatever, um, we'd love to have you on board. Of course, we would. The easiest way to find us probably just to download the Patreon app, search for ranks FC. And there we are. You can become an ultra right this minute if you want to. If you want to listen to like about a hundred odd episodes of the past, you can do that too. But um, right, Sam, let's let's kick this episode off properly. Um, I want you to talk me through where we are heading on this episode. Okay. So we're going to try and uh, rebuild five clubs badly in
1: need of some help. Um, we're going to start with with one team, which is more of a a question um, without necessarily uh, trying to solve their issues because I've just got way too many questions and not enough answers. But then we'll go into four more where we'll we'll genuinely put some concrete suggestions together and and, and form a plan of action, uh, which includes Premier League clubs and one giant from Serie A as well. Um, We can start at number five and it's, it's something a little briefer than the others, but it's on Benfica. And I'm just quite interested in a few decisions they're going to make this summer and how that pans out for them. So they had a bit of a disappointing campaign. The Champions League was was pretty good, um, but it sort of masked a really uh, below par campaign in the league. They were miles off Porto and miles off sporting and they've appointed Roger Schmidt as manager in response. Now he has A reputation as one of the best pressing coaches in world football. He's cut straight from that Red Bull cloth. He managed Bayer Leverkusen. He's managed PSV, and he's worked with some really, really good players. I actually went to watch them play live uh, at Wembley when they played Tottenham when Son Heung Min was playing for Bayer Leverkusen, and they were awesome. He and Julian Brandt pressed them to death. Now, the first thing he'll do in Lisbon, of course, is try to put that pressing structure in place. But one of the big questions is: what good is perfect pressing in a league where? you know, 16 or or, or 15 of the teams are more than happy for you to have most of the ball because Benfica are a big fish in that pond. So more important is to get the difference makers in attack sorted and to get the right players in the right positions. And the first thing that happens is he loses one because Darwin Nunez, surely Dino, has played his last game for Benfica.
0: Yeah, I mean... 95% Ninety-five percent likely that that is the case. I mean, I guess if he was to somehow pick up an injury in the next couple of weeks, that was to rule him out of of making any transfer, then that's probably the only chance Benfica have got. Holding on to him right now, um, he's been touted around Europe for the past six months. Basically, he's coming to the Premier League more than likely. Uh, Man United linked, Liverpool linked, uh, Spurs have just been linked. Not sure how likely that is, but um, look, ultimately, this guy. Not only did he score a lot of goals generally over the course of last season, he made an impact in the Champions League. Like He scored against big teams in the Champions League. Almost every time he was put up against a big opponent, he delivered, particularly against Liverpool, actually. I I think one of the reasons Liverpool probably in for him is because, um, well, there's two reasons, really. Not only were they impressed by what he managed to do to them, uh, but also... They've seen firsthand like what you can get out of these Portuguese players. Like Luis Diaz was seamless in his transition from um, Portuguese football to English football. And if he was that good, then there's every reason to believe that Darwin could have the same impact. So I think that that's what's really captivating uh, Premier League clubs right now. And like, yes, he's going to be quite a lot of money, but it um, might be worth it. And I don't know how Benfica really replaced that. Yes, I don't know either, to be honest with you. I know this is a podcast supposed to
1: be about solutions, but that's one question I simply <laughs> cannot answer. Um, I think I know why Liverpool won him. It's because Virgil van Dijk has named him one of the toughest opponents he's ever faced or yeah. has done recently. And that says a lot. But first task is to basically find goals outside of Darwin. So Roman Yaramchuk may come back into a more prominent role. He's a good player. He just didn't quite feature last season because of because of Darwin. So he gets another shot. Mario Goetze has been linked to Benfica again to follow Schmidt from PSV to Benfica. And he had a wicked season last season. I think there were going to be players like Rafa Silva and Joao Mario who will really enjoy this appointment. I'm a little bit concerned for Adele to I'm not going to lie. I think the high pressing, high octane system may not be his speed. Um, but I don't really have too many solutions here. I just thought I'd kick us off with a very interesting pop- proposition and one that I wanted to put on people's radars. Benfica, interesting things happening over there.
0: Yep, definitely. Right, move on to four then, mate. Where are we at?
1: Okay, we are going to go to Everton. Everton. Mm, big job. Step, at, one. Big job yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Step one for Frank Lampard is complete. Save them from relegation. First of all, I'd like to say we've doubted him heavily on this podcast, uh, particularly Jack and I, I'd say. Um, so first up, i like a just big well done to him for reconnecting the team with the fans and using that as a, as a lifeblood to carry them to salvation. The hard bit isn't done, though. The hard bit is just continuing. It just carries on because now he's got two massive problems as Everton look to set their sights a little bit higher and aim for something a little bit better than just scraping clear of relegation. Here's two problems. The first one is that it's pretty obvious that Lampard wants to play a kind of high pressing game, energetic, active, engage opponents high up and play with a high defensive line. And he slowly realised over the course of January, February and March that he just does not have the players and particularly the central defenders to pull this off. The other issue is that while he will try and improve on the quality in the team, their wage bill looks absolutely horrific and the financial losses they've sustained over the last three years are surely unsustainable. So I don't want to read too much into that because I'm not a financial analyst, but I think they'll probably be trying to go a little bit cheaper than £25 million per player per acquisition this time around. So Mm. let's start with point one, the personnel, in particular the centre-backs. Like They've got some good centre-backs, but like Michael Keane really struggled turning on the halfway line. Yerry Mina, too injury-prone potentially to play with so many sprints built into his game. And even the ones that did feel like they suited, like Mason Holgate, he got red carded at one point. Uh, ben Godfrey was injured. Mate, the He's, heart he went... defence was an absolute shambles.
0: Yeah, it really was. yeah,
1: it's tough. It's tough. And it's vitally important that if if Everton only... Son, one player this summer, it has to be a centre-back. Someone who is capable of playing in a high line, who is capable of playing the ball, and possibly suited to a back three because I feel like maybe Lampard wants to stick with this back three, he kind of like Seamus Coleman as the right centre-back and um, maybe Mason Holgate there too. And I'm just looking at James Tarkovsky here, free agent, and I'm thinking, Dean, this feels like a, a play that could really help
0: Lampard, giving him an immediate boost. Yeah, and they're in for him. Um, you know, it's caught people by surprise, look, from what I'm told. Everton are offering Tarkovsky like about 20 grand a week more than anybody else. Like there was a lot of interest in him. Like um West Ham obviously looks at him for a while. Aston Villa linked to um Leicester might have had a look. But ultimately, Everton's opening offer to Tarkovsky is way higher financially than any of the other teams. And it's caught them by surprise, as I say. And maybe that just underlines how important this is. Maybe that, like Lampard, is just like this has to be fixed ASAP. I need to know going into preseason. I've got someone. This guy's been there and done it. Um, he should fix it, shouldn't he? Like someone said to <laughs> me yesterday, so. is he that like? Wasn't this? Wasn't Michael Keane supposed to fix this though? Like M- Michael Keane, is he not just falling short of where he's meant to be? Is what if Tarkovsky falls short in the same way? Like I guess they they've been at a similar level. I
1: mean, look, it's, it's, it's a difficult atmosphere to walk into and it can throw any good player off, off their groove a little bit. But Tarkovsky, I think the, the big criticism there would be that he has played for Burnley, who have played like low block football for the last six years. But yeah. Tarkovsky, before he played for Burnley, he played for Brentford. And you know what? He's perfectly capable on the ball. We saw that in England camps and potential England call-ups. We saw that at Brentford. And I think he's a pretty classy operator and he's a very good player. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I I think I think this is a good match. Even if he if he's to play at the heart of a back three, I think even better. But in a back four, it can work. And I think he'd also just like massively help with the set pieces. Like they can't defend set pieces. Like it's really bad. They're not as bad as Leicester, and they're not as bad as Leeds. But they're not far off it at times. And he would massively, massively help in set pieces in both boxes. Look, if Tarkovsky does end up going somewhere else, somewhere more appealing, I do think maybe like a cheeky question to Tottenham about Joe Rodon. Um it just doesn't seem to get used very much, but he's a mm. good player. Like he's clearly a good player. Joe Rodon from from Premier League stock or Nico Elvedi from Gladback would be my um overseas suggestion. But I think to get a quick fix here, you're looking at Premier League proven and I think you're looking at Tarkovsky. And if not maybe maybe you could get Joe Rodon for 15 million or something like that. But yeah Patterson needs to come in at right wing back. Iwobi's actually played there a little bit. Mikalenko, left wing back. It's starting to clear up a bit once you get that centre-back. But then we get to the midfield, Dean. They have so many midfielders. But I can genuinely see a scenario in a year's time where like none of them play for Everton any longer. Yeah, probably. Because half of them seem to be out, half out the door now and the other half, their contract expire in a year's time. Jean-Philippe Gabamon, do you remember him? Have you heard of him? No, I don't think oh. I have. He's been out of Everton's book for like three years. He just gets injured all the time. He's actually a really good player. They brought him from the Bundesliga, but he's just had like the worst luck in football. He's actually played 10 games in a row for Cisco Moscow this year. Okay. It's the first time he, First time he's done that in like, well, since he before he played for Everton. <laughs> um, it's like, he's more of a myth than a real footballer, but he's actually played football. Could he come in and factor? Like it, it's actually genuinely exciting to think that he might be able to play football. But... Like Deli Alley, loads of question marks. Fabian Delph, Guilfi Sigurdson, they're gonna be released. They should sell Andrew Gomez. He's not great. Iwobi, I'd like to see him as a box-to-box midfielder, but looks like he's gonna play wing back now. And then you get to Alan and DeCore, whose contracts expire next season. Lampard doesn't like Alan. Ever since he couldn't complete a pass properly in the Merseyside derby, he's basically been out of favour. There's so there's so much change afoot here in central midfield, which is like <laughs> Again, one of the most important positions in football. Yeah. But I just can't really see
0: that much of a future for like six of these guys. Yeah, obviously took a gamble on Delhi and it um, hasn't paid off at all. Um, we'll look to offload him if they possibly can. Um, got Donny van der Beek in. Didn't have the impact that you would have thought he would have. Like Looked like two good signings getting van der Beek and Ali, but no, didn't work out. Uh, I remember a time when the and Alan were like talked up quite highly, like as a as a midfield pair. Yeah. Um must have been under Rafa, wasn't it? But um Yeah, 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 it was it? But yeah, they are both good players in their own right, but Yeah. yeah but this yeah. team's not that team now. And um you're right, like they they need a new heartbeat, really. And mm. Lamp, look, Lampard, that's that's where he made his name. Like surely you can fix this. Like I'll say, hey that, he wanted Delhi Alli, that didn't work. So That this should be his bread and butter. Like finding two central midfielders should be very easy for Frank Lampard. I agree, I agree, but I did I did cast cast my eye over Premier League
1: squads and I don't think they're gonna find like a cheapish deal from Premier League stock. Like the obvious like the thing you go to here is like Harry Winks, like seems expendable at Tottenham. They're gonna want to Yeah, it's, it's it's too much money. They are gonna have to go abroad here if they want to keep the spending under control. And I've got four really rogue suggestions that I think would suit Lampard's kind of like aggressive, front-footed central midfielder mould, but people may not have heard of many of them. Nicolas Dominguez from Bologna, love him, perfect, like fringe Argentina International, like very good player, very good player. Morton Torsby from Sampdoria, Zava Schlager from Wolfsburg, who. Last year was a Champions League player, um, but Wolfsburg have been pretty poor and he also did his knee, but he's back now. He just, he's literally just played for Austria. Um, and Elias Schiri from Köln, who would be really cheap, and really good. So there's four like
0: way out there. Hey, it always amazes me. I think I know a lot about football and I watch a lot of football and I talk to you and like it sounds like you're from a different planet. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched,
1: I watched too much football, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but Nicolas Dominguez in particular from Bologna would be like honestly perfect, just perfect. So that's the kind of player that I would look at. And then the other thing on the docket is just be ready just in case someone tries to buy Rasharlison. Or Dominic Calvert Lewin, like it's an ever looming threat. I don't really have a name for a Richarlison replacement for Everton because I think it's basically impossible to find that level of quality. Can Everton sign any other Brazil international attackers? Probably not.
0: Um, but they're just going to have to be ready for that. So, in, in well, summary, they'll go to Chelsea won't they? They'll they'll turn to a Chelsea fringe player, someone that's not fitting in. Like that's the obvious I place for Lampard to go, isn't it? Like yeah, like a Callum Hudson Odoi. It's going to be a hudson O'Doy or, I don't know, he's going to obviously try any of those Chelsea players he can. Conor Gallagher. Um, Tino well, Anderin, I know he's not Chelsea anymore, yeah, but you never know
1: that sort of player. These
0: kind of players, like Lampard, he does turn back to them. like He he hasn't got that much experience to turn back to in terms of players he's actually managed, has he? But um, So his bread and butter is those young players at Chelsea that he knows and there's worse places to turn.
1: Yeah, I think he does. He, he has a clear preference for working with younger players and coaching those players. Um, and that's why I like, really support the idea that Everton get a little bit younger and a bit more dynamic in midfield. Hmm. Like, all of the players that we talked about are like 27, 28, 31. Alan's 31. Decor is nearly 30. Delph is obviously um, you know, being released. He's, he's in his 30s. Like, it's not fit for what he wants to do. I liked the idea of Van der Beek, but it just didn't really fit properly. And now he needs to go and get a little bit younger and they need to be a bit smarter about this one. So we'll summarise Everton. Mm. Sign James Tarkovsky. And if you can, if you get a good price, you should sell Michael Keane because he doesn't fit Lampard at all. Mm. You should sign two central midfielders, one of which should be Nicolas Dominguez. You should sell Andre Gomez. You should sell Alan with a a year left on his deal and have a plan in case Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin move on because you can't be left in the lurch there.
0: Mm. Very interesting, mate. Very interesting. I like that. Hopefully Frank Lampard is listening because he does genuinely need help when it comes to these <laughs> sorts of things. Um, where are we going to turn next, mate? Are you going to take us around Europe or are we going to stick in the Prem? What's, what's number three for you? So let's
1: go to Chelsea um, okay. and I'll invite you to set the table here early doors. Um,
0: what's happening with Chelsea? Who's leaving? Where do we stand on the squad? there's a lot to be sorted out I mean at least they've at least they've got the takeover sorted so that's that's important Um, the new owners have to now show they're going to give Thomas Tuchel their full back in Um, defence has to be the priority obviously but then they're going to have to adapt throughout the summer to situations that might arise because there's certainly a lot of players in this squad that have uncertain futures Jules Koundé the obvious person to look at as a first sign-in it's all set up they just need to kind of pull the trigger now and actually go through with it and give Sevilla what they want because the rest of it is all all teed up. Um, I think they'll probably try and sign a second centre-back too. Um, So I don't know if you've got any names, but we can get to that in a bit. Um, A new defensive midfielder, 100% something that is being considered. Angolo Kante and Jorginho, I expect one of those two to leave. So we will see a new midfielder, I believe, brought into Chelsea. Um, we have to weigh up, like, as I was saying before, with Frank Lampard looking at those fringe players. All the guys that have been out on loan and stuff, they'll all be looked at. Look, Usman Dembele is probably the most exciting name being linked to Chelsea right now. Take that one seriously. Like, are, the Chelsea, sorry, are looking at, at Usman Dembele and I'm told he is very interested in them. And then... Do they need a striker? Does Lukaku leave? Um do they need a new fullback? Um who's going to play on that left side when Chilwell's not there? There's probably genuine reason to consider that there are five or six signings needed this summer.
1: Yes, there are. I don't think we can address them all in in this, to be honest with you, because there is there are too many ifs and maybes attached to so many of the positions, but we can definitely look at centre back we can look at left back or left wing back and we could definitely look at midfield. Um, and I think, yeah, Jules Kunde would have been my first question. Is that back on, on, on the table? And you say yes, which is great. Um, I think that's obviously Kunde's brilliant. Like they should absolutely sign Jules Kunde. They should have signed him last summer. Um, I do think they should integrate Levi Colwell if they can, um, over on the left-hand side and probably just move on from Malang Sar and just give Colwell Sarr's spot in the rotation. Um, but there are a couple of other names here that they could consider. Ibanez from Roma, I really like. And I think he'd do really well um, on either side of the, the outside centre-backs. He plays for Roma at the moment, just won the Conference League. Very good player. They got him from Atalanta and he's really shone. Nikola Milenkovic from Fiorentina, I think too, is starting to bounce back. But there is one specific name that I just think feels really, really good for this. And it's one that we've discussed before, Dean. is Kalidou Koulibaly. He just, he wants to leave Napoli. And... Mm well, we've been trying to get him out there for three years. (laughs) Just when you try and wish things into action, into reality, but he is now prime age. He has just had a very good season. He passes well off both feet. He defends like a Trojan. He's physical. I think he'd fit into the premier league so well. It's about time he came along. And I think this is perfect. Genuinely perfect. Like I feel like you can get Koulibaly for 30 or 40 million this summer. And
0: if I was Chelsea or pretty much anybody else, I'd be like, yep, let's go for that one. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, look, this would be a dream summer for Chelsea. If they could land Kunde. It's like 51 million plus a little bit on top. So I say 50 odd million for Kula Bali, they would be expecting to get him 35 to 40 million pound. Ousmane Dembele on a free transfer obviously you've got Levi Colwell coming back in, Connor Gallagher coming back in. Like they're basically free transfers back into your squad because they're already yours. And then, you know, we've, we've been told that Chelsea have a war chest, which is always nice for a new, war owner, chest. A new owner to deliver a war chest. And, you know, the reports, depending on which one you believe were between 150 and 200 million. So that means there's a huge amount of, of money left over beyond those two. and, that's when you wonder whether they bring in a Declan Rice. Like, is that, is that the missing piece? Is that the guy that really reinvigorates this whole reboot, I guess, un, uh, that Tuchel's got to undergo? Because um, they're missing something. Like, the second half of last season was very disappointing for Chelsea. Obviously, there was all the off-the-field off stuff with Abramovich. But I don't think that excuses the level of performance, the inept home showings, the failure to get simple games done. There's something lacking from that Chelsea team. And I know that um, the Tuchel is on board with the Declan Rice return. Obviously, they've looked at uh, Um They've looked at other alternatives too in that position. But it always seems to come back to Declan Rice. Obviously, West Ham are trying to price him out of, out of the market. But I just wonder, like at some point in this window, especially if Jorginho or more significant maybe Kante does go, that that missing piece that really um, is the big shift in this rebuild that is Declan Rice. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. I mean, so the,
0: the other position I
1: had to sort of address here is left-back, but I think they can actually get that done relatively cheaply, yeah. which isn't always the case because top left-backs are really expensive. But I think they can get the left-back sorted pretty cheaply and that would still leave room for a central midfield signing. Um, I'll just address the left-back quickly. Raph Guerrero from Dortmund has one year left on his deal, and it looks like they're pretty happy to sell him. Mm. Um, that's very interesting because yeah. he is a pure wing-back. He's very Chelsea, Kelsey, isn't he? Yeah, He's very he's very Tuchel wing-back, and he yeah. can play a little bit at centre-mid if you need him to. It's not ideal, but he, he can kind of... yeah. Flicking out a few different positions, I would absolutely love to see that deal. I think that makes all the sense in the world. As there is also Jose Gaia at Valencia. Valencia are on fire. The entire club at the moment it seems like it's just it's in stuck in the upside down. And <laughs> um, someone like Jose Gaia probably might be fed fed up. Yeah. Um, he's he's an exceptional. He's like the second best Spanish left back. Um, so that also would be quite interesting. And Owen Vindal from AZ Alkmaar as well was a, as a kind of understudy style one. Someone probably a bit more happy to play second fiddle, but Raf Guerrero with a year left in his deal, uh, you know, with with maybe a Koulibaly or a Kunde or both, leaves you room for that Declan Rice signing or you know, Many mm. if he's not been, you know, already promised um, to, to Real Madrid, but it kind of seems like he's going to go to Real Madrid. I don't know if you yeah. know anything about that. Yeah, no, yeah, it seems to be. So yeah. probably not going to bother with that, but there are some other... Options in midfield, like I, th- I think, all of England's top four would, would would do best would do worse to look at someone like Ruben Neves uh, at Wolves. Um, and to, I always have this theory that Thomas Tuchel is going to re-sign Julian Vegel at one point. I just I'm just convinced it's going to happen. And if they ran out of options completely, then that probably would make some sense. But look, I don't have striker targets because I really have. No idea what's going on up there. Obviously, they have Havertz who, who fits brilliantly. Um, and then there's the big question mark on Lukaku. And if they want Usman Dembele, I'm are they seeing him as a wing back or are they seeing him in this uh the rotation for the front three? Because the front three is very busy, mate.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I, I can't see him playing wing back, but um, yeah, the, obviously, like. Werner or Pulisic or Ziyech or even two out of those three could end up moving on. Or Hudson Odoi. Hudson Odoi. Like, yeah, I keep forgetting about totally. For-
1: oh, it's easy to forget about him at this point. Like yeah. it's tough, but it is.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, but you know, there's been a few rumours about like Mason Mount leaving. Like Mason Mount, there's no one less likely to Come leave Chelsea on. than Mason Mount. Like he's there for life. Like that's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. You know, he's but he's a good fit for this team. Like that's fine. Like Mason Mount is is great and. As you know, Mendebele is interested thing things always, I'm always asked when I talk about this is, yeah, but he's always injured. And like, yeah, look, he's had two really significant injuries, one to his hamstring, one to his knee. And that's a big impact. And for a player who's now 25, not played enough football in the past two years to get to the levels that he would have liked at this point um it's a big hit for him a big hit to take in his career because twenty three to twenty five might well have been the peak of his career the style of footballer that he is but he's been fit since March um he's been he's got intent now he's got ambition he wants to it seems like he wants to start again it seems like he's ready for a transfer um I don't know I don't know I know what you mean like I don't know how he fits around that Chelsea model. Look, Lukaku wants reassurance this week from Chelsea about this set to be a meeting at the end of the week about what's the plan here? Like, I know that Inter want me. I don't necessarily want to go to Inter, but I know that avenue is going to be there. Where do I fit in? Like, I'm a good... I think his feeling is like, I need to be great. I can't go through another year of this and the style of football you're playing is not for me. Um... But obviously it was ninety-seven million pounds. Like this is a this is a real, real problem for Chelsea. It is. It is, yeah. And it's one that we can
1: maybe try and solve once we get a bit more information. But uh, to summarise, Chelsea, sign Kunde or Koulibaly or both. Sign Rafael Guerrero from Dortmund, integrate Gallagher, integrate Colwell, and sign a midfielder if Jorginho or Kante go. Ideally Declan Rice, but it may need to be someone of a slightly lower tier, maybe someone like Ruben Neves. So that's that's Chelsea. And that's only like 60% of the cake.
0: But the other 40% is pending. So uh, Yeah. That's, I think Chelsea kind of fans should is. be excited, you know. I mean, there was obviously a disappointing season. And I think that this takeover and, you know, no debt and, um, you know, a bit of a reset, probably what Tuchel needs, probably what the fan base need too. Because... Yeah, it was quite dull um, a, lot of that, a lot of that season. So, yeah, that's yeah. a good one for a rebuild for sure. I'm surprised it's not number one if I'm totally honest. But um, yeah. we still got two spots to go, mate, isn't it too? So we'll go to Juventus now. Um, mm.
1: The good news for Juve is they know most of their issues right off the bat. Chiellini is gone. Dybala is gone. And it's no surprise to anyone or no secret that their central midfield is a disaster. The bad news is that These are serious problems, not easily fixable, and add in the fact that Alvaro Morata's future right now is completely up in the air because we don't know if Juventus are going to pay the relatively reasonable sum of like 25, 30 million to keep him along. He's actually, it's easy to forget that Alvaro Morata is contracted to Atletico
0: Madrid. I find, find Morata so confusing. I've, I have never know who he plays for. Who actually owns him? <laughs> it? like, it's so confusing, this guy. <laughs> it really is. It really
1: is. So that's another thing to contend with. Um, they've released a couple of players and, uh, you know, Sir Kylian is is one of those, but Federico Bernadeschi is, is also gone and with Chiesa injured and with Cuadrado kind of mostly playing at right back quite a lot of the time, uh, Juventus kind of don't have any wingers. Uh, they sort of, just, they just don't have anyone. So it doesn't surprise me that they're after Angel Di Maria and they're reported to have offered him a pretty decent wedge on a one-year deal. I know Di Maria is now 34. He's no long-term solution, but he is an amazing player and he's exactly the kind of player that Max Allegri wants to work with because Allegri doesn't really trust youth. Um, it's pretty noted that that he doesn't really try to blood young players. He tries to rely and lean on the tried and trusted and the experienced. And De Maria really fits that profile. So I think there's definitely some creativity issues for Juventus that extend to the wing. But they also extend to central midfield. And this is where Paul Pogba, I think, steps forward. So Dean, I hope you just tell me now that,
0: that he's going to sign for Juve because this is so badly needed. I mean, look, he probably is. Like, at this stage, like, there are two main guys that they're after, and it's Pogba and, it, and it's Di Maria. And um, you've, you've basically set out why. Um, they, they need to bring in some pure quality that they know is going to enhance the, the level of this side. Um, generally, across the board, like, Juve are starting to be a little bit more careful about wages and stuff, but... In certain positions, there are players that you break the bank for um, in terms of wages, and Di Maria on a one-year and Pogba are two guys that are probably going to be worth it. I know, like, look, we won't see the same Paul Pogba we've been seeing in England. That That's the thing to remember. Like, we've got another Pogba back here. He's going back to Juve <laughs> where he's going to remember how to be a good Pogba, not a bad Pogba. Um and, and that's the thing that Juve obviously relying heavily on. So, you know, they they've got they got Vlahovic, and that was so important to them. But and it was great, like in a certain sense, it made sure they got into the top four and all the rest of it. Uh, it was a good signing to get ahead of this summer window too, when they'd have more competition for him. And now they need to get these little pieces that are kind of to utilize him too. Like Vlahovic needs to be firing every single week, and in order to be good, he needs to have like Chiesa one side and Angel Di Maria the other side and someone like Pogba behind him. A hundred percent. Yeah, they need to, they need to add
1: creativity. They need to add goal threats from other positions as well. Um, looking at the assist charts for Juventus over the course of last season is like, is absolutely disgraceful. Like the top assister is that Alvaro Morata, which is, which is, I mean, he is a good back to goal striker, good link up player. Oh, yeah. But like, their central midfielders combined for like four assists over the course of the season, like Rabio mm. has two, and you know the others have one or zero like it's it's horrendous in there, and at the end of the season, we saw Fabio Miretti step into the breach and dazzle really with the level of confidence that he displayed, despite the fact that Juventus were were kind of down in the dumps a little bit, and someone like Pogberg can be such a great tutor towards someone like Miretti. Um, and they have another young player as well called Sule, who can step in off. He's a left-footed right winger who can step up from the youth ranks as well, who could just just help to add depth to that to that wing core. They don't have to go outside a bunch of wingers, but they do need to get at least one, if not two. And the point you make about supporting Vlavic, that's been that's really important, and it's been Maratta's job this season. He has supported Vlavich. And Murata may not be there next season. And if he's not there, and if they don't pay for him, they're going to need to sign another forward. It has to be like a complementary forward, someone who can play wide, maybe, or play as a support striker, who can take on that DiBala role. They've literally just lost the two guys, seemingly, who can basically do all of this for Vlavic. And it can't just be Pogba's job to thread through balls to Vlavich. They need somebody else as well. Someone that can play in a couple of different positions, maybe deputise for Vlavic but play with him. And I was looking at these players and Di Maria is, is one of those complementary pieces. I have a suspicion that Hakim Ziyech could be another if they wanted to go down that kind of route. But if you wanted to get someone who can play as a, like a genuine support striker and a bit wide, Gabriel Jesus should be on the radar, as should Memphis Depay. And if Juventus signed either of those players, they would level up considerably in the attacking mm. areas and they would help Vlavic in so many ways. Well, they're both available, aren't
0: they? Like that, That's too reasonable. It, f- reasonable. it feels believable. like Yeah.
1: It, it feels like it. That's why I picked them. I was like, wait yeah. a minute, you could, you could get Gabriel Jesus. Well, I think He's they have been up. offered
0: Gabi Jesus. I think those, them and Milan have both been offered Jesus, from what I understand, as well as Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, obviously Tottenham, um, Arsenal, all looking at Gabi. But um, yeah, that's, that's a good shout. Um, they could definitely be interested in that what's happening in that midfield too you know they, you talk about like the lack of numbers i mean it's because they had like aaron ramsey rabio um, well they do actually West- have loads of
1: central midfielders they're like everton they've got loads of them yeah. they just don't like any of them
0: um yeah. maybe a difficult. few will join
1: everton maybe i mean maybe juventus end up getting jorginho you know yeah i mean, I mean it's been mooted for sure Goodness, that's it's not out of the realms of possibility. But in terms of building blocks, like they've just signed uh, Dennis Sakaria, great, keep him, integrate, yeah. continue to integrate him. Weston McKennie coming off an injury, he's going to be around next season. He's pretty good. Um, Locatelli is obviously a building block. You, you, whatever you sign needs to needs to work with Locatelli. Moretti is one for the future. I'd so, have <laughs> got Rabiot, they've got Ramsey still. They both have a year left on their deal. Um, that's awkward because they probably mm. don't want either of those guys. Um, Kostic, but, they're
0: trying to sign by all accounts, like he keeps being linked.
1: Uh what, for left back or for
0: because he's a left for left back. Yeah, back.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So for left left back is the final position I would I would take a look at for you, because like Alexander I think is in slight decline. And the problem with Sandro is he's either absolutely unreal or terrible for like three months at a time, and you just can't find like a medium level. Um and Pellegrini's been okay, but nothing to to truly write <laughs> home about. A, a, Raf Guerrero suits this profile here as well. Cheapish. Owen Vindal as well. So the same the same players I mentioned for Chelsea. I wonder if they might throw that hat into the ring for Mark Kukurea from Brighton. You know, mm. I know that he's uh, he's been heavily linked to Manchester City. Yeah, but until that deal is done, a team like Juventus is a is a hell of a pull, and I do yeah. wonder about that. But in summary, for Juve, sign Di Maria, sign Pogba, sign one of Jesus or Memphis and sign one of Guerrero, Vindal, or Cucurea. So that's mm. four major signings, a winger, a central midfielder, a forward of some description, and someone for left back as well. Which mm. gives you, ideally, if you were to set Juve out in Allegri's 4-4-2, Cuadrado, Bonucci, Delict, let's say Guerrero, Di Maria, Locatelli, Pogba, Chiesa, when he's fit, Vlavic and Gabi Jesus. It's a pretty good team. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, it's a really
1: team. good team. Yeah. I think I think you can genuinely transform Juventus this summer with, with four exceptional first-team signings that are well thought
0: through. You can. And look, they finished, what, 16 points behind Milan in title race last season. And yeah, they made fourth, and that's, that was a relief. You know, they ended up six points clear of Lazio in fifth. But um, that 16 points can definitely be clawed back. Like, Milan you know, they didn't walk their way to that title. They to so work so hard for it. And they had some very tight wins in those final two months of the season that it's a graft for. And yeah, Milan will be stronger next season. There's no doubt about that. But Juve also can't afford to let Milan get a grip on this league because that that's potentially what you get here. Like we see it like sweat, um, teams just start to dominate the division. And this is a potential moment where Milan could do that with the takeover coming, um, a Scudetto in the bag for the first time in ages, and Juve and Inter will have an eye on that, thinking, no, no way, you can't do that. We got to, someone else has to win it next year. We can't let you start doing this. Um, yeah, that's why they I mean, would. Why smart. It
1: would, yeah. It would put it would put Juventus at risk of becoming a fallen giant. Mm. And speaking of fallen giants, segue number one is Manchester United. Like yeah. you like what I did there? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay. Eric Ten Hag, roll your sleeves up, buddy. You got a lot of work to do. And I like the fact that he stepped in super early and tried to tried to tackle this head on. Like Ajax had barely even finished their campaign, and he was at Old Trafford. Trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't blame him because he's got a hell of a lot to do. There's loads of outgoings here. Um I'll recap them, Dean, but just uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. We've obviously Pogba's gone, Cavani's gone, Lingard's gone, Matic is gone. Also, maybe going Martial, if anyone will buy him, Eric Bailly, Axel Twanzeve, Phil Jones, Dean Henderson, if they can sell him, which I'm sure they can, and possibly even more. That is nine players. Yeah. So that's a lot of players.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which there's, is nobody... uh, there's others like um Andreas Pereira, Brandon Williams, like there's there's a few others there that you could add to that list. Um who Brandon Williams, yeah. We'll have and, to, and, wait and, to see. I mean, Brandon Williams and, might might work out well for him, but
1: we've seen we've seen reports that Wan Bissaka is for sale as well. You know,
0: there's there's even more potential upheaval. Yeah, I think that obviously Rashford has been linked with leaving i don't personally think that will happen i don't think you could afford to lose marcus rashford at this moment in time and i think it would be silly too to be honest with you at, at a moment when the club's um, in transformation you need to keep a, a heartbeat going and and rashford yeah. is is united through and through and whatever he's struggled with they can they can fix, I'd I'd like to believe. So um, that's Ten Hag's job. Like I keep saying it, people are like, who's he going to buy? It's like, he has to fix some stuff. He's a coach. Like he's got Harry Maguire, he's got Marcus Rashford, he's got Bruno Fernandes. Like that's three players. The heart of his team that can be fixed should be relatively easily. It seems like there's just a mental block or a mental problem with these players that they need to get to the bottom of and help them overcome if they can't, then fine. Like, not all these problems can always be overcome. And like, but he has to try, and I think he will. Um, yeah. And then on the back of that, he can go and start adding bits and pieces. He's obviously going into training early to get a, a look at these players, you know, up close and personal, and to to make his own judgments on them. Because whatever Ralph Rangnick's told him doesn't really matter now. Ralph Rangnick's gone; it's a complete waste of time. Um, and now he can make his own judgments. I think, to be honest, it's for the best. I, th- I like that he's got a clean break here. I like that almost the whole of the club has undergone an overhaul in in the last, you know, six months or so, and that they can start afresh. And you know, John Myrtle will obviously over, oversee things. And you know, from what I'm hearing, like people are relatively happy with the way things are, are working there. But there's some big decisions to make, as I'm sure you'll run through. Like the th- like at the defence, do you go with like a Pau Torres or do you go with a Urian Timber? It seems like a club versus coach decision now. I mean, you, you go,
1: you, you tell me where you see this going. Well, first of all, I'd just like to say I'm really glad that you mentioned the, the coaching ele- aspect because on my full page of notes for this. I have the word coaching written in capital letters and circled three times (laughs) because at different points during the process, I came back to the idea that really the most important thing here is that Eric Ten Hag coaches these players Mm. because they're mostly underperforming. The large majority of them are. Some of them are vastly underperforming. And I actually came to the conclusion that they don't need to buy a centre-back or there's no point Mm. because if they have so many needs and they have a certain amount to spend... And it's always unclear as to exactly how much that is, but they're not going to buy eight players like Rangnick suggested. No, um, they have two hundred million or so to spend, seemingly, and that will get you high four or five high quality players. If you go and buy Urian Timber, great, but you've got how much uh, attributed to Raphael Varane? You've got a recovery project worth pursuing in Harry Maguire, and Victor Lindelof is there. Like, does this upset things a little bit too much? I, I do wonder. And Mm. I think that there's a couple of positions that will end up being coached rather than transferred out of. And I think centre-back and left-back are those areas. Mm. So I actually don't have a centre-back for Man United. I'd say don't sign Pal Torres, but you know that already. Um, But I don't have a suggestion there. I go, of course, straight to defensive midfield, (laughs) as always. Have we ever mentioned that United need a six. I don't has think come, we've ever talked about that on this podcast. <laughs> has it come up? I don't I don't know if it's come up. Oh, I think I'm, Jack mentioned I was, it once. I'm sick of talking about it, but it's the starting point for everything because Ten Hag can coach all sorts of players here and I think he can recover a lot of them at United, but I think he will look at this defensive midfield stable and go, yeah, I've got to sign a side of player here. I've got to mm-hmm. sign a side of player or two. And he does, he really does need to. So let's run through a bunch of names that would immediately improve United in different ways, different profiles, but all playing in that holding midfield position. Frankie de Jong, Ruben Neves, Wilfred Ndidi, 10 coat miners, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, Joffrey Kondogbia at Atletico Madrid, Ismail Benacer, Wilmar Barrios at Zenit, Florian Grilich at Hoffenheim. Like it, it doesn't even have to be a Galactico name. Mm-hmm. All of these players improve United immediately, linking defence to midfield and solidifying the structure. So just go and buy one or two. Like yeah. Two would be, would be great. Just do it. Please do it. And then we can all sleep better at night. Okay, other issues. What does Ten Hag do in terms of a striker? It's a very, very tough call. I don't know where he's going to go with this. Does he see Rashford as a striker? Does he see Ronaldo as a striker? And if he doesn't, what is his ideal profile? Because this is a man who has produced two almost equally capable Ajax sides, one with Sebastian
0: Allaire up front and one with Dusan Tadic as the false nine. What am I supposed to do with that, Dean? Mm-hmm. No, that's true. That's true. Well, you have to presume that they're getting Darwin Nunes at this point. Like That seems to be the guy that they've arrowed in on. Yes, uh, maybe, maybe. I mean,
1: I do have a few concerns about Darwin in a possession system with his back to goal against maybe a low block it's not it's not ideal he's an explosive physical runner benfica have tried to use him off the left for that reason but in terms of like a penalty box finisher he's very very good so maybe they don't they just don't involve him until the very last bit where he kicks it in the net like a good <laughs> like a good old fashioned striker maybe but look that's a that's a big that's going big for darwin that's 70 million i think yeah. something like that if i was to go that big and 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 go that big in terms of money i would prefer to ask tammy abraham if he fancies a return to the premier league but i don't i don't know that he's actually interested in that Ooh, at all yeah. cuz he seems to be loving life in italy you could go cheaper musa dembélé at leon can do a bit of everything and i'm convinced he would be a great signing for a uh, a premier league team he could just call Alair again make it a three Utrecht's ajax man united you never know yeah. but Let's go, with, let's go with Darwin and it makes, it makes life a little bit easier mm. and move over to the right wing where as much as I like Anthony Alanga, I don't think they can go into this season with him as the first choice right sider. There is a question mark over whether they put Jadon Sancho there again and see if that is the solution mm. and that would allow Rashford a clean run at the right or Ronaldo a clean run, sorry, at the left. I don't know if that's, if that's where they see them. Uh, but if they don't see that, and they want to play Sancho on the left. And they need a right winger. I don't think it can be Elanga and Ahmad Diallo. As much as I want to see them integrated, like they're going to have to sign a player. This is where no Champions League starts to weigh heavy on United. Because Serge Gnabry is available, seemingly. And like, how good would that be? Mm. Just how good would that be? Now, whether, whether the devout Arsenal fan does actually want to go and join United, I, I have no idea. Um, but they might have to go and look a little bit lower down and look at someone like Rafa Silva from Benfica, who I think would just be great for them. But, you know, often not qualifying for the Champions League doesn't really cost United because of the size of the team. But I think in these bidding wars for these kinds of players like a Gnabry and maybe even like a Darwin, it might hurt them a little bit.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a tough job that Ten Hag's got, and as I say, like he'll have to assess these players. He'll have to assess Elanga in front of his own eyes and see like what he thinks he's capable. Of. I agree with you like Elanga's a fine as a bench option whatever, like play him in some cup games, um play him against lower league Premier League teams, but like he can't he's not ready to he doesn't seem to be ready to be a guy that you can rely on week in week out. Um and yeah, well they they're, they're going to have to go big. I mean, say like Darwin is all the talk at the moment is Darwin and Frankie De Jong like United fans want to hear an announcement that is basically one of those guys <laughs> um I'm I can understand why both of them would want to see how things open up and see you know United might have all this intent in the market this this vision under Ten Hag why don't they just feel it out and see who the actual first signing is? Be like, okay, like I, I see what you're saying, but like, who show me. Show me who you're signing. What show me the centre back that you've got coming in then? Um, which one is it? Hmm. And then what else have we got to work for? Because I can't I cannot play for that team that I was watching last season. You know, I was sat <laughs> yeah. in Barcelona and I was watching those games and I do not want to play for that team at all. If I'm going to Manchester and I play for Man City and that's the end of that, um, but yeah. for Darwin and Frankie, look, very different stage of their career, like not that far apart in terms of age, what, two or three years, but um in terms of the levels that are at, like Frankie to go to Man United, a massive climb down. That's a huge climb. Like he's gone, he's taken that path from Ajax to Barcelona because he wants to be remembered as, you know, a Dutch legend that was capable of living up to that hype and expectation he hasn't done it yet but i believe personally he still wants to and he will only leave if he's absolutely forced to um darwin is different like he's looking for a move he's looking to take that next step and he's wondering which club can give him that platform and it might be that playing with cristiano ronaldo for a season is perfect for him like he Mm. should actually see that as a wonderful opportunity like Playing European football, maybe not Champions League, but that doesn't matter at the moment. He's 22. Um, you know, Ronaldo might have that main shirt a lot of the time, but you'll still get outings in that central role. You'll get it off the flank, and you'll be moulded into the future of Man United. So I, I can see benefit. I see more, way more benefits for Darwin than I do, Frankie. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just,
1: I do find it interesting that Ten Hag obviously stepping in and, and will try to um, impose his philosophy and, and his, his style on the team. And the first thing he wants to do is buy the signal controller midfielder who understands the system. So it's yeah. Frankie. There's a huge parallel here for when Maurizio Sari came to Chelsea and signed Jorginho to run the system. Yeah. Like, and it's amazing how, like, the, the, these, these managers who operate similarly in some ways in terms of their possession philosophy, the first thing they want to do is get a midfielder a traffic controller that they can trust. Yeah. And it's such an important piece. And these two managers kind of show us that Frankie, look, if he, like in summary for United, step one is is sign Frankie Dion. Um, <laughs> if, if, if you can, mm. or Declan Rice yeah. or Ndidi or, you know, or two of them. Oh yeah, if you want, to, if you and if you can't afford that, you, you know, you want to go a bit lower down. And then again, Ruben Neves comes into play at maybe like forty odd million, and Florian Grillich at Hoffenheim, who I've already mentioned. I love him, and he's free. He's literally free. Yeah. Like Looking right like now, he's going to leads at this point. Yes, yeah, sign him for free. And step two is sign a striker. I don't know what Ten Hag wants, but Christ, maybe it, yeah, maybe it's Darwin. I'll go with that. Fine. Step three is sign a right winger. Gnabry is the absolute dream, but a Rafa Silva type figure. Who Ten Hag knows really well because he ripped his Ajax side apart in the round mm. of 16 this season. Uh, he would probably be a little bit more realistic. But the most important thing to just bring it back, coach what is there, embed the style, raise the floor, Eric. You have to. You've got so much to work with here, and you, you're you're fully aware of that because you've taken this job and you want to get your you want to get your nits into it. So just just coach what's there and we could see a, 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 just a much better Manchester United side even without that many marquee signings. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm so intrigued by like what actually is going to come out in the wash here. Like, Ten Hag, you know, he's got to deliver and United fans are obviously excited about it. They they like the clean break from Rangnick. They were bored. It wasn't great under him at all. Um, but now there is reason to be excited because of what Ten Hag's done at Ajax um and but let's see if he can deliver like it's not going to be easy and it's going to still take a little bit of getting used to and breaking into that top four still going to be so so difficult no matter the size of the rebuild uh okay mate lovely stuff i can see why you've had a headache for two days now thanks for that (laughs) um some good good fun though good fun. yeah five big rebuilds that well that happen over the next two months really to get us ready for use in august honest honestly we've got like
1: Weekend of August 5, Premier Mm. League, Liga, Bundesliga, Eredivisie in Portugal. Then a week later, August 12, Italy and Spain follow suit. And even earlier than that, in the end of July, you get the championship, you get the Scottish premiership.
0: And even earlier than that, you've got Belgium and all that kicking. Like,
1: these guys have got seven
0: weeks. Amazing. Seven weeks I put this out. I know. I know. One of my mates, he's a footballer, and he starts pre-season next week. I'm like, you just <laughs> finished. It's like, I know, I've got to go running on Monday. I was like, oh, my days, mate. Good luck. <laughs> uh, right. That's the end of that section. Thank you, Sam. We'll be back after the break with melon and Gibberish. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where, look, it's time for the greatest segment I ever invented on any podcast (laughs) I've ever been on. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for Melon of the Week. I can't believe I've introduced myself. This week's Melon of the Week is Sadio Mane. Oh my God, really? Mm, yeah, it is. It is. Look, I've got to be honest, Like it's it's sparse this week. Like There was international football, loads of it. and I'm sure there was a couple of melons in there, but it was also Jubilee weekend here, and I had a lot of barbecues to get to, so I missed a lot of those games. Um, <laughs> I saw four or five, but I didn't see any standout melons. And then I saw what Sadio Mane said about his future um, at a time when, let's be honest, like Liverpool... Revelling in what was still a fantastic season, even though they failed to get over the line in the Premier League and Champions League. Um, Mane was asked about a poll on his future. And Mane's response was, like everyone else, I'm on social media and I see the comments. Isn't it between 60 to 70 percent of Senegalese that want me to leave Liverpool? I will do what they want. We will see soon. Don't be in a hurry because we'll see this together. And I know that he said since then that it was a joke. Jokes don't come across in written articles. People don't say <laughs> he <laughs> joked. They say he <laughs> said. <laughs> oh, and man. Liverpool fans don't want to hear this. Like, they adore you and you were, yeah. I think Mane adores Liverpool if I'm totally honest. But, it's, I just don't want this to end on a sour note to be honest. Like, don't have any affiliation to Liverpool, whatever. I'm not a fan. Um, I've met Sadio Mane, lovely guy. Um, I just want to make sure that, because Bayern have now made their opening bid. It was too low, but it was £25 million. We know it's going to take 35 to £40 million to sign Mane. And I'm sure that they'll end up paying it. But come on, Sadio, like no more jokes. No more jokes. <laughs> don't rattle this fan base. Um, they've been very good for you and you've been good for them. And uh, it's obvious now that he does want to leave Liverpool. I just don't want any more, any argument at all, actually, before he leaves. I want it to still go very nicely.
1: Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll wave him off as a legend. They they will. Uh, and he, and he deserves to be waved off in that fashion. Um, jokes don't go down too well, uh, with, with, with football fans who are highly emotional. Um, no. uh, Yes, they don't. They really don't. Yeah. Difficult difficult one. Difficult yeah. one. Uh, it, my, uh can, can a can a stadium be a melon? They could. Um, what have you got? Well, Austria played Denmark in the Nations League and the game was delayed uh by like an hour and 15 minutes because of a power failure in the stadium and then they finally got going they ended up kicking off at 10 15 at night <laughs> finished around midnight and then for some reason a sinkhole opened up on the pitch oh i saw the hole yeah it I was see the it hole, was yeah. massive it was absolutely massive it was yeah that was weird. Um, it was really weird so uh yeah um sh- sh- shouts out to whichever austrian stadium yeah. <laughs> that was and also shouts out to anybody um who was live blogging that game um oh, I, I just God.
0: just wanted to go to bed. Yeah. The other one that for me that stood out um at Plymouth they were redoing the pitch and they'd started cutting up the grass and stuff and there was a tractor on the pitch and someone broke into the stadium and went on a joyride in the tractor around the pitch. <laughs> 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 that person if they support Plymouth is Certainly a melon. Maybe they don't support <laughs> Plymouth, and they were just having a great old time ruining their yeah. ruin their new pitch. Um, right? Um, there's absolutely no alarm for this because I'm refusing to do the Jack Collins. <laughs> <for leaders. laughs> that was cute. That sounded like a that sounded like a cat, <laughs> like a little cat or a bird. But it is the gibberish rankings, and I'm taking it uh, time for a bit of gibberish. And actually, I don't think I've ever done this. I don't know if you've ever done this either. It's football related. Here are three changes that will impact the Premier League next season. It's not complete gibberish, to be honest. It's just it's just an interesting ranking that I thought we should just have a quick chat about at the end. Is it all um, so factual or is it made up? It is all factual. Three big okay, changes yeah. that are going to impact next season. Um, but they are a bit nonsense because it's probably not really going to have that much of an impact. Five subs in the Premier League. It's coming in. It's here. Uh, Subs can be made on three occasions during a game. um, And clubs can name nine subs now um, on their team sheet. So that is going to make a big impact. And uh, the thing that stands out is that ultimately there's a possibility that the gap between the best eight teams and the rest of them is vast. Like As a Fulham fan, not massively looking forward to this rule, to be honest with you. The fact that Man City can use five subs... Like, that's rubbish because we don't have five good subs as it stands. <laughs> um, I'm not sure we've got five Premier League players as it stands, to be honest <laughs> with you. So this is very worrying. Maybe I should rename this actually section why I'm scared as a Fulham fan of the Premier League. Um, but, yeah, look, the clubs had to agree to it, um, and most of them did. But, obviously, on the back of what we saw in COVID, time we saw this implemented, and a lot of the top clubs did want it to stay, didn't they? Um what yeah, do you it reckon? Did, yeah. does the, does I, well, I still
1: don't like it for the no. same reason. Um, same same thing that you talk about. Uh, I think it does it does put an even bigger wedge between the wealthy and the, and the not yeah, so wealthy. Because if Fulham
0: are beating Man City one nil and there's twenty minutes left, and then in the next twenty minutes we see them make five subs, there's no chance we're going to hold out. Yeah, it's it's it is. It just gives
1: it just gives the the super clubs that extra extra one or two uh, potential. Um, just options and yeah. difference makers. It, it It makes holding on against the big teams even harder, even more fresh legs sent onto the pitch. It is going to be tough. I mean, look, the the reasons, the reason that, that this has been brought in is presumably due to the fact that fatigue is at like an all-time high in, in footballers. Um, we're having a summer off right now, but uh, we don't usually get summers no. off. Um, and next season is going to be a... Uh, absolute car crash with the World well, Cup wedged into November
0: interesting you say that because at number two it's the scheduling now yeah. you mentioned this earlier so yeah the opening round of games is is that weekend of August like 6th, 7th 8th um, yeah. and then the season does run on until May the 28th so it sounds like no problem but the Premier League season will pause after the 16th round of games on the weekend of November the 12th the World Cup begins on November the 21st and runs through until December the 18th, the Premier League will then resume on Boxing Day. So one week, basically. Either, after, either side? Yeah, basically. I mean, it's a slightly more than a week, but not much more. Like Once you've got your head around the fact you're doing this, <laughs> you then got basically 22 game weeks to be played, over the course of 17 actual weeks. But actually, there's also another international break in there in March, which is going to make this even more congested. So actually, not only are the players having to go into a new season a bit earlier, prepare for the fact that there's, it's stopping in November, then changing their mindset and making sure they are fully fit for a World Cup, which is one of the biggest moments in their careers, they then have this run through, like some Premier League players will be in that final on December the 18th. And then a week or so later, they're back to playing Premier League football. And not only that, we know how busy that scheduling is normally anyway over Christmas and New Year. And that's going to carry on basically until March when they've got ne- another international break. It is going to be absolute madness. It really is. It's so unpredictable too probably
1: yeah I mean, this this is gibberish, isn't it? This whole schedule? Yeah. I mean, goodness me, what the 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 week gap between the end of the sixteen weeks of the Premier League and the start of the World Cup is obviously just like not enough time to prepare for a World Cup as a nation, right? You get a week. Like surely you want a couple of friendlies in there over the course of two and a half weeks, get to camp, all that. That's not good enough. No. also, all of the players going to the World Cup on Match Week 16 will not be getting into any 50-50s no. because they will be terrified of twisting their ankle terrible or, or, getting, or getting getting clamped. And it means that they'll miss... And it, it's not like they've got two weeks to recover. They've got six days. Like, they won't be going to the World Cup if they pick up an injury. It's it's That is really bad. And I think what makes it worse... Is that, and obviously it helps that they have fewer games to play. But I believe Germany, off the back of the World Cup, are going into a bit of a winter break.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. They are, or at least they they'll have their winter break still. Winter it break, it, it, so it, it yeah. will be. Yeah. I think it's straight after the World Cup. I think they've moved it. Um. Which is like obviously the the sane and normal thing to do. Yeah. I know that I know that they only have thirty four games rather than thirty eight, so there's 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 mm. more space. But these players, I mean, it's a wonder anybody's willing to sell any
0: players because they're going to need all of their players. Exactly, yeah. I know Tottenham already like massively... Part of the reason they really need to bulk up and buy six players this summer is because they are worried about those first two things I talked about. The five subs, they need to make sure that they've got the same options that the rest of the teams in the top four are going to have, which at the moment they definitely don't. Yeah, and and, and Steven Bergwijn's trying to leave. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably take it. If they get good money for him, they'll, they'll do that because they need to, to invest in somebody that you know, can lift their levels again. But yeah, interesting. Look, the the big thing. So just before you go into that,
1: like this, this really, all this is saying is this could be a big, big season for the youth prospects on the fringes of these first teams. Yeah. Like nine subs available, five on the bench, five can go in. Um, Everyone's going to get injured. Yeah. If if you are 19 or 20 and you're on the fringes of that first team squad in the Premier League, you are
0: getting minutes this season. Yeah. And it might be that like you suit these Chelsea lads that we were talking about earlier, it might be that they are sent out and loan some of them, but there will definitely be callbacks because they'll want them back for that second half of the season potentially. Like that, that's the thing to look out for. Yeah, but the big change for next season comes in FPL, Fantasy Premier League. <laughs> of course, it, it is. Does. Do you know what it is? What is it? Everyone will captain Erling Haaland from week one. <laughs> <laughs> Last season in, in fantasy, there wasn't a good reliable striker that you would have in the game. So, like, you, you went into the season thinking, Oh, should I have Kane or Lukaku or Ronaldo? There were no must haves. The, the more the season wore on, those guys weren't reliable enough and weren't needed. You could go into the midfield and delve into like Salas and Sons and Mane's, and that's where you would get your points and stuff. But basically everyone just stayed on Salah for the season and stuck him as captain. And, and that was the, the guy you had to have, but Haaland now coming into the league, not only does it change the premier league anyway, because he's an absolute monster, but for fantasy premier league, like, which I think the game's getting released a bit early this, this year, by the way, I think they're going to give everyone a bit of a, a longer um, run into the season, but like, how much is he going to be like is it going to be like 13 13 and a half million whatever it is people are just going to have to have him in case he actually is as good as we all think he is and he scores a ridiculous number of goals and he'll be on pens pens for Man City are going to be a thing that people consider so this is a gibberish ranking yes because like my number one is that the most important change going to next season (laughs) is that you can have Erling Haaland at the fantasy Premier League (laughs) too Oh man,
1: I'm so glad that I uh, don't have to concern myself with these frets and worries because I don't play the normal version. No, you don't. Um, you do the
0: draft, don't you? I
1: play. I play drafts, so and what I do is I get my um, a minute before the draft happens. Um, you get your random selection order of like what what order you are in the draft, and I will not be number one, so I will not get Erling Haaland. Yep. So I don't ever have to worry about this. And if I am number one, I will take him. It doesn't matter because he's mine, and that's it. Yep but I'm not going to be number one, so I ain't going to get him, so I'm not even going to think about it.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Um, oh, that's it, Sam. Our, our little time together has ended on this pod. Um, that, that was fun. It's been good. Does Jack, does Jack have to come back next week? No, he doesn't have to. We can cancel his flight. <laughs> get someone to steal his passport. <laughs> um, we can just cut off the internet. We can find a way around it. Um, I was If you enjoyed we just this episode, have a little without, bit more Jack, time off. Yeah, <laughs> let us know if you enjoyed Jack not being here. Um, much more succinct episode, I'm sure. Um, so much sense spoken, even in that gibberish, I reckon. Um, but yeah, thank you, Sam yeah cheers mate good hosting no thank you Um, and thank you Rank Squad don't forget to come and find us on Patreon if you haven't already if you're already there then thanks for your support Um, we love you all thank you for being part of the Rank Squad we'll be back next week probably with Jack peace peace